Hi, Isha. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Can you please introduce yourself to the audience? Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me uh, on your show. Uh, I'm Dr. Isha Soni. I'm a senior occupational therapist and head uh, for Lexicon Rainbow Therapy and Child Development Center, Pune. So um, we are a multidisciplinary team of therapists who uh, give therapy to children showing childhood developmental disorders like autism, ADHD, etc. We'll be speaking more on this um, in the show. And um, so I love working with children. I have been uh, doing this since last 14 years and uh, not a single day is the same for me. Uh, every child uh, comes to us in a different mood every single day and uh, we help them to overcome their challenges. Okay. Isha, can you please talk more about the nature of your work? Like I am aware how psychotherapy works. Uh, but yeah. yours is a different branch altogether. And you work with children yes. who have development issues. So how, yes. do, how, how does your work day look like? So, um, like, as you said, you're aware of psychotherapy and counseling, but uh, an occupational therapist um, works on motor skills of the children and sensory issues. So motor skills means uh, gross motor skills or fine motor skills, meaning gross motor means like, you know, walking, jumping, crawling. These are all the activities which are done using the larger muscles of the body and hence they are called gross motor. And fine motor skills are uh, activities which require finer muscles of the hand. So activities like buttoning, writing, coloring, lacing, these are all called fine motor activities. So when a child has uh, any kind of, uh, uh, you know, developmental disorder, these are the skills which are often affected. Or in layman term, uh, I would just like to say that, you know, a child shows delayed walking or the child hasn't crawled or the child uh, does not talk, the child has become two years old, but yet the child is not talking. Or uh, the very important thing uh, that we deal with and in which even I have an extra specialization is sensory issues. So many people are unaware about what are these sensory issues, but uh, children show uh, you know, too much of hypersensitivity into, in day-to-day -day lives. So even the regular sounds which are there, children cover their ears. Um, children are not comfortable with uh, activities of daily living like hair cutting, nail trimming. Uh, they are not comfortable with textures of food. Beyond a particular age, they still continue having grinded or mashed food because they have not developed the skills of chewing, swallowing, or they are very averse to different textures. So, you know, some children, they would not like idli and all. So it's absolutely fine that, you know, all of us, we have our food choices. But when it starts interfering with your nutrition and it leaves very, uh, you know, few foods like four to five foods that the child is eating over a period of time, it affects your nutrition as well as your uh, speech muscles, the speech clarity and communication. So, um, as you asked me how the typical day looks like, so 
we do a lot of assessments. Um, I have clients coming to me from all over India, not just Pune, but all over India, from the smaller cities also, and even from metros. So lately, we have been having a lot of clients coming to us from Delhi, Mumbai, all these places. And uh, I also do online therapy sessions. So uh, these are for parents who are Indians, um, but they are not able to afford uh, the therapies abroad. So we have clients from Australia, uh, from Sydney and Melbourne. And a very important factor that comes apart from the money is the cultural barrier that the therapists have over there with the child. So, you know, the child is not able to connect with the therapist because of the language barrier. So, my typical day looks like doing assessments, meeting uh, parents, uh, taking background history of the child, uh, identifying that, okay, from where we need to start from the child, what is what will be the priority, uh, meeting the parent and setting the goal together understanding uh, you know what is more important to the parent uh, what are the parents concerns about the child of course when the parent comes they are very very distressed and uh, a good part of counseling also comes wherein you know you show hope to them that yes these are the things which we can work on and dedication and energy for the same because if the parent is not ready for it then nobody can help the child many times we have parents who come to us in denial also so like you know maybe either of the parent either the father or the mother feels that there's nothing wrong with my child and like you know just because the doctor asked us to visit you we have come here so it's very difficult to um, convince the parent show show them, make them realize that, yes, you know, there is some issue, there is some challenge with the child and you have to move ahead with that because you are the only one who can, you know, make the change in your child. We as therapists will guide you, but they are the actual doers. Uh, they have to be really committed. So, um, as I told you, so, you know, this is all about assessments, convincing the parents, making them understand, formulating goals, and then taking one-on-one -on -one therapy sessions. So uh, when a child comes, so you know the occupational therapy or a sensory integration therapy room looks like a nice play area. So you know there are swings, there are slides, there is a ladder, there are different kinds of swings which we don't get to see in parks and all. Uh, we have a lot of toys, blocks. We use a lot of sensory materials. So, you know, things like shaving foam or certain um, grain bins like rice bins, wheat bins, blocks. So this is how we connect with the child and we play with the child. Even play is a very important part of an occupational therapy session. Sometimes if I have to give an example, if an autistic child is coming to me, the child is busy lining up things. So I have to teach the correct way or the preferred way of playing and break that restricted or repetitive form or scripted uh, form of play that the child is having. So this is how my typical workday looks like. Okay. Uh, Isha, can you also please walk us through some common development disorders that are prevalent in these times? 
Yes, so the most prevalent uh, that uh, I often get to see is autism. Uh, yes, the incidence has definitely increased. Uh, when I had started my practice way back in 2009, the incidence rate was like uh, 1 in 110. And now the incidence rate, according to the uh, statistics received from CDC, is um, 1 in 44 children. So it is like, you know, literally more than doubled than what we used to see before. Um, also, uh, the reason for this is increased awareness amongst parents. And, you know, because all of them, most of them, they are having only one or two children. They are very uh, particular and meticulous about tracking the milestones of children. And hence, you know, it gets caught early. And uh, we start taking therapy and hence we have more number of children getting diagnosed. So um, autist autism is something which um, I get to see very, very frequently. Other cases are uh, like ADHD. Uh, that means attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So wherein a child is hyperactive, has difficulty uh, paying attention or completing a given task. So this kind of affects the child's, uh, again, daily routine. At home, the child is constantly on the go and the parents find it very difficult to handle or tackle the child. Uh, and we get the similar feedback from the school that, you know, the child is not sitting in one place, the child is disrupting the class. So this is how a typical ADHD um, profile of a child looks to us. Uh, the other uh, disorder that I get to see is the Down syndrome. It is a genetic uh, uh, disorder. Um, it is also called as a trisomy 21. So there is an added uh, gene in the 21st chromosome. So that's the reason uh, this is uh, called the Down syndrome. So in this also, the children show motor skills delay and uh, poor fine motor skills. Uh, and the child also has sensory issues. Other thing that I get to see frequently is learning disorders. That is um, uh, difficulty reading, difficulty writing. Uh, if we all must have seen the movie Tare Zameeper, so I think people can relate better if I take a movie name. So um, that is like it uh, acts as an educational uh, hurdle for the child. The child doesn't show interest in academics because reading, writing is a very, very difficult task for the child. Many times a uh, child is good at reading, but a uh, child just cannot understand any mathematical concepts. So that is called dyscalculia. So these are the common disorders that we get to see. Uh, another one, last one, which I would like to say is the global developmental delay. So wherein, you know, the child is showing delay in all the domains, be it motor, be it social, be it speech-wise, communication-wise. And one of the very common reasons for this um, may be any injury or trauma that has happened during the birth of the child or if the child has seizure disorders. That is, if the child is getting a lot of seizures or fits at an early age, which causes brain damage. So these are the common um, disorders that we get to see. Autism being the most prevalent. So if I have to elaborate a bit on autism, so it's basically a neurobehavioral uh, disorder which uh, affects the child's 
speech social and communication areas so the child typically uh, has delayed speech or the child has restricted interest so you know the child may be very very obsessed about topics like dinosaurs cars or certain gadgets and the child just keeps on talking about that or the child is totally into just you know watching youtube videos repetitively those single videos which the child will keep on watching and will keep on repeating they keep on running like scripts in the child's mind and the child keeps on thinking about it all the time which affects the day to day communication with his family his or her family so you know the child does not give eye contact to the parents or the child does not talk the day to day things like okay mama let's go down uh, the child does not come and narrate what happened in the school so these are uh, this is like few common characteristics of autism that i have told you okay thank you isha for the elaborate answer so yes. is it possible to trace the causes of these disorders also yeah so yeah scientists have been working from years on this so uh, for autism like you know there is not like a single uh, cause which we can pinpoint to but uh, now most of uh, the answers are pointing towards genetics so they are they have found uh, like you know a genetic cause to be there so you know maybe the mother or the father they are having uh, those genes but then it uh, has become dominant child you know it comes out in the child many times for autism uh, even uh, like you know a very late age of conception like older parental age as being cited as one of the cause uh, gene mutation could be another reason for adhd um, uh, you know brain injury is one of them that you know if there is brain injury for the child uh, during pregnancy or if there is any form of trauma uh, while delivery that can be another reason or uh, exposure to alcohol during pregnancy is also one of them uh, and for down syndrome and other syndromes like rets and all so that is uh, purely uh, chromosomal so you know when there is any addition or deletion of a chromosome these are uh, these are the few disorders that come out okay and yeah to what extent are these disorders manageable or treatable yeah so this totally depends uh, you know and varies child to child so um, if we say that yeah i know one child with autism we say we know only that child with autism so we have lot of children coming to us with autism uh, like in a day maybe i see eight children with autism but all of them have different profiles despite of the same diagnosis so uh, some children when they grow up they need very minimal assistance uh, some who haven't received early intervention or uh, the intensity of the challenges they have is more so they they need um, moderate to uh, maximum assistance in their day to day lives um but these days because of the awareness early intervention is done uh, and most of the cases that we get to see are of mild autism so you know maybe parents they start therapy around 18 months to 2 years of age and by age 5 5 and a half they are almost at par with their peers so yes autism doesn't get cured a uh, few characteristics definitely remain so you know that uh, child starts talking 
the child develops better social and communication skills but you know the child may have less number of friends or the child uh, may not be uh, very extrovert the child still likes to talk talk on only few topics of his interest the child may shows hyperactivity but these are all manageable so it uh, totally depends case to case and child to child some and it uh, definitely depends on how early they have been able to diagnose and take therapies for the same uh, for all these disorders there are no medications per se and therapy is like the mainstay of treatment okay and uh, isha so i just want to understand so as you just mentioned that recovery depends recovery varies yes. from patient to patient yes so if a if a kid did not receive early intervention and has mm. more symptoms of a disorder in his adult life also then how yes. does he deal with life with that disorder so uh yeah like you know we we <clears throat> i used to get to see such cases uh, very early in my career when you know there was not so much of awareness there was not so much of services which were accessible to people uh so yeah like you know i have seen uh, adults like maybe who are 18 year old 20 year old so it becomes very very difficult to handle them you know uh, number one they are uh, they outgrow their parents physical capacity so basically if they are uh, you know if they have become they are having a meltdown or a tantrum so you know wherein if they are doing head banging or they are pushing against the wall or they are just running around in the house it becomes very difficult to uh, control the the adult who's who's the child of the parent and uh, like you never know what ticks off you know what will upset them the next minute so uh, i have known few parents closely and uh, it's very difficult to you know lead life with them so i know someone uh, who used to who had to uh you know completely full proof their home so they they need not be any shops around they need not be anything around where uh, with uh, you know which the child can harm himself the child meaning the adult the child who's become an adult can harm himself so uh it's very difficult so many times uh, uh parents they put their children in uh something similar to residential uh, schools or residential home care programs so in which uh, there are therapists or other volunteers who take care of these adults and uh, they are uh, made to do certain vocational activities and uh, i mean yeah we have few such uh, residential homes wherein uh, children uh, who have not received intervention and who are very difficult to tackle they they are being uh, you know they reside there okay uh, isha is yeah. asking this up now so how can a parent identify if his kid has some developmental disorder so see these developmental disorders uh, see if it is something genetic for example down syndrome so down syndrome can be identified even uh, during the fifth month when the uh, antenatal test is done it's called the anc test so you know uh, every female goes through this test and uh, even before that when there is uh, an uh, when the age of the mother is more 
uh, when she is pregnant. So even uh, they do something called as a triple marker test in which uh, they are able to identify whether the child is having uh, any form of uh, genetic or chromosomal um, deviation. So um, medically, yes, it can be diagnosed even intrauterine. Um, after the child is born, um, there are certain different facial features which are there. So the pediatrician or the gynec can uh, identify then and there. But for things which are invisible, like autism, ADHD, the child looks perfectly normal, looks-wise or physical characteristics-wise. And uh, parents pick by uh, the delay of milestones that the child shows. So, you know, if the child is not talking, the child is not uh, responding to smile, the child is being very finicky about... Uh, any form of change in his day-to-day uh, -day routines or uh, the child shows delayed walking. So basically any delay in the motor, speech and social milestones is the first marker for parents and then they go to the pediatrician saying when you know they have regular vaccination follow-ups and all. So then you know that's the time when the parents bring it up um, that okay, my child is supposed to do this, this, this by this month, but isn't doing so. So then the pediatrician uh, refers them further to the developmental experts, uh, the, a developmental pediatrician who is an expert in these childhood developmental disorders. So basically, uh, the most common way a parent can identify is by tracking the milestones of the child. Okay, Isha. Thank you so much for your time.